What's up? It's Andy Grammer with Jag. Hi, this is Carly Rae Jepsen, and you're listening to Jag. Hey, everybody. It's Joe Jonas hanging with Jag. This is Heather Knox with the hottest Jag I've ever seen. Ryan Seacrest with Jag. It's B.O.B. checking in with my homie Jag. So much swag with my homie Jag. It's the Jag Show podcast. Welcome in. I'm John Gay, a.k.a. Jag. My guest today is someone I've interacted with briefly in person, but seemingly more lately on social media. She found her podcasting niche with her business, Podcasting for Coaches. She's a fellow travel enthusiast, fellow dog parent, and as we just found out over email, fellow fan of the Hawaii Five O reboot. <laughs> Welcome, Brittany Felix. Hi, John. It is so much fun to be here. As I know, pretty much everyone who comes on your podcast says, I freaking love your intro. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> a little throwback to the radio days. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if it's not obvious from the intro, I was prepping for our interview by reading the bio on your website. And the line that jumped out at me was how unhappy you were in your corporate job and how you've made the move to podcasting, become successful at it. You are speaking my language. Brittany, tell me the story. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Miserable, unhappy. All of those words don't even come close. Mm -hmm. I have never been built for the corporate world, but that's just kind of what happens. You go to college and you get a normal job. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to school in southern Indiana, just some community college because I didn't really care. (laughs) And you're from Indiana? I am. Yes. Yep. So right next door, I'm here in Michigan. So there we go. I knew I liked you. You were a Midwest girl. Okay. (laughs) I am. I am. I actually vacation every year in Michigan. I've gone just about every year since I was four months old. So it has a very special place in my heart. Damn COVID. I could have seen you when you came up this way this year. Uh, Unfortunately, we're still going. Oh, where in Michigan? uh, Lettington. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. A couple hours from us. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that's more home to me than anywhere else in this entire world. So awesome. Yep. Uh, as long as we're not on lockdown again, I will be there. Unfortunately, I don't feel great about it, but they just sold the place we've been going for the past 30 plus years. So this oh. is our last chance to go and say goodbye. So Okay. No brainer then. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Off that side tangent, I ended up bouncing around from job to job about every one to two years because I thought it was just that job that was so <laughs> awful, mm-hmm. which of course is not the case. It was me. I was the problem the whole time. <laughs> And it got to the point where I found myself literally like daydreaming on my drive into work about getting into a car accident. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know, and it's got to be a good one. I got to be in the hospital all day. Like it can't be one where I can just like fill out an accident report and then go into work a couple hours late. Like I want to be out for the whole day. So at least like a one day hospital thing, like I would get so excited about the idea of being physically injured. And obviously that's not a healthy mental state to be in. Correct. So I knew I needed a way out. Like this is it. I'm done with corporate. This cannot happen anymore. I wanted to travel full time, but every time I would hear somebody talk about that lifestyle, who was living it, they always just said, well, and then I made the leap and made it happen. Or I took the leap and now I'm doing this. I'm like, well, you no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> There's a whole middle process there that you are completely leaving out. And that's what I need to know. Okay. So I decided to start a podcast where I interviewed people who were living my dream lifestyle just so I could finally get the answers I had been looking for. Love it. Yeah. And within just a couple of months, I found myself editing podcasts for other people. We can talk about if you want how that kind of organically happened, because I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So you were like just kind of doing as a friend. You had a background in editing audio or production or how did you kind of fall into it? (laughs) No, I actually didn't even know what a podcast was. I was following, you know, an influencer 
online who had a brand that I loved and she announced that she was starting a podcast. And this was in uh, about October, 2015. And I was like, okay, it's time for me to finally figure out what the heck a podcast is. Like, I need to know. Now you say an influencer, if she really had that much of an influence on you, should you at least shout her out? Uh, so she is no longer active or doing anything okay, anymore. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, she's like disappeared. She started a family. She doesn't have a brand or anything anymore. Okay. Um, her name's Sarah Peterson. I love her. I actually ended up working for her. She's kind of part of my journey. But one thing I found when I started listening to her show, and again, love her to death. The content was amazing, but the audio was absolutely awful. Hmm. And so I kind of found myself the egotistical person that I can be at times thinking like, surely I can do this. Like I can do it at least this well. And so within four months, I went from not even knowing what a podcast was to having my own. And then two months later, a woman who I was in a mastermind group with to launch the show, she was like, your show sounds awesome. I don't want to touch mine. I know you're like trying to do VA stuff to get out of corporate. Do you want to like just take over my show? I was like, uh, I don't know what that means, but sure. Yeah. What, what does take over the show mean? <laughs> right. So it pretty much just meant what I do now, which is, you know, editing the audio and uploading it to the hosting service, writing the show notes, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So she was my guinea pig and she was totally cool with it. I mean, she paid me, of course, but she was my very first client. And it kind of evolved from there because once I realized one person would pay me to do it, I knew there had to be more. So did you do any kind of advertising? Was it all word of mouth and recommendations? How did you grow from one to more? Honestly, still four years later, the same way I do it. I have never run a paid ad. I've never done anything like that. It's all been word of mouth and referrals. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, especially, it was being active in Facebook groups for podcasting. Yes. So just providing constant value and becoming known as like a go-to person for answers. People would start tagging me in posts. Um, and so I just kind of became known in a few of these communities as somebody who could help people who needed somebody to edit their show. I think that's where I first saw your name was in the podcast editors club, Steve Stewart's group, who was on the show uh, two weeks ago. I started seeing your name pop up a lot. And then, you know, I made the joke to you over Facebook the other day that when we were in Orlando last summer, 2019, for a podcast movement, and there was the uh, after hours meetup for the podcast group, I saw you and Carrie and Jennifer and the JustBusters girls and mm -hmm. some of these bigger names that I've seen on Facebook all the time. I'm like, oh, those are the people who really have it together. Those are the people who really know what's going on. Like, I'm a little nervous to like go over and say hi, but I, I guess I should introduce myself and network. Right. It was like the cool kids say, was like eighth grade all over again. Right. Well, and when you said that, I was like, oh my God, that's what it feels like to be cool. I never, I never knew because it's never been the case. <laughs> so you get started and you're building this. And how did you get into the niche for the coaching piece of it? So that was trial and error of just working with anybody who would pay me in the beginning, sure. which was awful. <laughs> and I quickly realized like what types of personalities I enjoyed working with. Mm -hmm. And I just found that that personality really lined up with women and people who identify as women in the coaching and consulting space. And so it just kind of organically happened because I gravitated towards the people that I you know, if, if I'm not going to be friends with you in real life, I don't want to work with you. Like there needs to be <laughs> that symmetry there. We need to have personalities that click. I need to be able to be free to be like who I am. I never wanted to like feel like I had to come off as professional, which I am. I am very professional and I take my job very seriously. Right. But if I can't send you a gif in response to something <laughs> you've said me, then we don't need to work together. <laughs> I love what you're saying there because I think there is this magical moment in journey and, and you and I have a somewhat similar paths in a lot of ways is getting to a point where 
you can turn down a client, where mm -hmm. you can have both the bottom line and more importantly, the confidence to be able to say, I really don't think this is going to be a good fit and, you know, and I wish you the best of luck. And being able to say that as opposed to the very beginning where you're scratching and clawing mm -hmm. for every dime, there is such an empowering feeling to get to that point. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, making a million dollars and I can blow off anybody that looks at me sideways, but having the confidence and knowing your brand and knowing that you can say, you know what, this is not going to be a good fit, but you can still put food on the table mm -hmm. is quite a spot to get to. Yeah. I remember there was a pivotal moment. It was either last year or the year before, because they honestly all blend together now Yep, where I had been referred to somebody who's a pretty big name in the podcasting space and he helps people launch their shows, but he doesn't necessarily do any of the work. Like he's the personality behind it. He brings the people in mm -hmm. and then he has a team he's assembled who do all of the minutia of the process. And he was launching this on a much larger scale and he approached me. He wanted me to essentially be the person in charge of this part of his business. And I would have made more in three months than I make in an entire year. Hmm. But something about it just didn't feel right to me because I need to have that control over who I work with. And I would have lost 100% of that. I would have had to have worked with whoever he brought into the program. And he just had a very aggressive personality. Nice guy. I have nothing against him. We just didn't have similar personalities. And that one was really hard for a couple of days while I kind of molded over. And it was really hard to send that email saying, you know, after I've evaluated it further, I just don't feel like this is a good fit. Here's somebody else who might be better. But yeah, empowering is absolutely the right word for that. Because I mean, to turn down, you know, in a three month period, what you normally make it a full year. Sure. Is not an easy thing to do it kind of defeats the purpose of you getting out of the corporate job because mm -hmm. you had somebody to answer to every day that was having you wish you were in a car accident on the way to work, which right. I certainly applaud your honesty there and, and being real when you talk about that kind of stuff. But owning your own business, yes, you've got clients that will drive you crazy. Every every business <laughs> does. But not having to answer to somebody, uh, I think of a client where I do some contract work for another company and the client was getting on my last nerve. And I told the guy that I partner with, if this were my client, I'd fire her, but it's your client. So it's your call. And he's like, no, let's work it out. And we were able to work it out and we have a good relationship now. But there is that battle of working for yourself versus partnering or working for somebody else where you lose that control. And mm -hmm. that kind of defeats the purpose of what we're doing here, I think. Yeah. I mean, I felt trapped when I worked for somebody else in corporate and I would have felt trapped in that situation as well. And that's not something that I personally am okay with. I would imagine when you've got a, something like that in front of you, you talk it over with your husband because you mentioned your husband on your bio on your website a lot. And I, I've said in my podcast before that, you know, my wife is my default CFO. Like <laughs> I'm a solopreneur. And so when I have a business decision to make and I need a sounding board, I always tell my single friends, marry somebody smarter than you. <laughs> and I run a lot of stuff by my wife. Does your husband play into the business side of it too? No. You do your own thing. <laughs> yeah. The reason for that is he, I mean, he's not an entrepreneur. He doesn't have that. Sometimes I will talk things out with him just because hearing myself say things out loud, I can gauge my reaction to it, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily that he's like giving me advice or guidance. He 100% trusts me and my instincts and it's my business. I know it better than anyone else. So I usually, for the most part, tell him after the fact. <laughs> ah, Okay. You know, so I mean, I do communicate those things because it is important to me, but he is not part of any sort of decision making process whatsoever. Okay. 
So you mentioned that you are a travel enthusiast.、Mm-hmm. You are my second straight guest who lives in the great state of Colorado. I had Tom <laughs> Kelly on last week, and I'm sure I'll have Chris Curran on at some point. <laughs> How did you end up in Colorado? And is it like does stuff sound better in the thin air? Like why is everybody in Colorado? It's like the <laughs> podcasting hotspot right now. It's awesome.、Um, no, I so I did go to college in Indiana. However. I needed to be free, get away, try something new. That's like my whole personality.、Mm-hmm. So I actually spent a semester in Montana. Okay. And I fell in love with the mountains and just being in a wide open space. And ever since then, I've been dying to get back. So my husband and I came out here from Indiana. We came、mm-hmm. out here for a tiny house convention. Okay. In the city we actually live in now. We came for the weekend. Fell madly in love. It was his first time in the mountains, and he is a total outdoorsman. So he just like it blew his mind.、Mm-hmm. And a year later, we quit our jobs, bought an RV, traveled for a few months, and then settled down here. Wow! Yeah. So you live in the RV, or you bought a home there? We do have a home near a home here. He is not designed for a nomad lifestyle. <laughs>、um, <laughs> when we bought the RV, the plan was to travel for a year, and we did only make it a little over two months <laughs> because he was just done. So the compromise is to be settled, have a home, but it's here, like the base of the Rockies. It's a good jumping-off point for us to go out and have adventure. Love it, love it, love it.、Um, back to podcasting. What advice would you have for either a beginning or established podcast editor, or both? That's something that you wish somebody had taught you as you were coming up, or something you see coming up from time to time that you wish more people knew. I think the thing that I try to like guide new podcast editors on, whenever I see these conversations happening on Facebook or you know we're having them in DMs or even in person,、mm-hmm. is to one trust your gut. And I know that sounds really cliche and generic, but honestly, if you do that and you recognize that when you're talking with a potential client and there's something that just strikes you as a little bit odd, there's something that just like is just you know a little bit off. That is almost always right,、mm. and if you lean into that and you develop it and you listen to your gut and your intuition more and more, it's only going to become more accurate because you're going to be able to understand it better. And to go along with that is to not take everyone who comes along. I know that it is so difficult to even think about saying no to anybody in the beginning when you're getting started, but from experience with myself and pretty much every editor I've talked to. Taking a bad client just because they'll give you a paycheck is so much worse in the long run than saying no and leaving space for somebody who's going to be an amazing client. I love that. I had a, a mentor of mine tell me fairly recently: when somebody warns you that an individual is going to be a tough client, believe them. Right. <laughs> and it's advice that I had wish I had taken when I was just starting out two years ago and, and building the business, but. The toll that it will take on you when you have to deal、mm-hmm. with some of these difficult clients—it's like, okay, well, you know what? Next time you're faced with that situation, you walk away. And I love what you said. If you walk away from that business because the podcasting world is exploding, somebody will fill that slot、yeah. in your wallet. Yeah, absolutely. There's no shortage of podcasters right now, and I know that a lot of new editors coming in are like, "Oh, I can't find any clients. I'm struggling to get clients," and that's. Probably because there's something that's off in either how you're marketing your services, how you're approaching these people, what you're putting out there in terms of displaying your expertise. It's not because there's a lack of clients. Right, they're out there.、Mm-hmm. As a business owner and a podcast editor, do you find it tough to sometimes balance your time between doing the editing and running the business? And how do you deal with that? I do actually, and <laughs> this is going to be sacrilegious for so many people. 
the editing is my least favorite part of the process mm-hmm. and it's the most time consuming. So yes, I do find myself constantly like just getting through the client work and my business is secondary and it suffers. I mean, the past two years, my business hasn't grown like I've wanted it to because I've been so in the business with client work, but I've made some shifts. I've hired a new business coach. I've got like a group program that I'm going to be launching soon, which will free up time, but also make more money. So it's making these small little shifts that I think will set me up well for the rest of this year and going into next year. But absolutely, I've struggled with that for the past two years and my revenue has stayed pretty much stagnant. My business hasn't really grown in the past two years. Now, it's still make more money than I did in corporate. So that's great. I haven't lost anything even during COVID and all of that, but I'm not okay with just staying stagnant. Like I constantly want to be reaching for the next level. So do you find yourself to the point where you would farm out editing work to subcontractors and so you can spend more time focused on the business or how do you deal with that? Yeah. So I actually do have a subcontractor that I work with and we've been working together for the past two years. She's been helping me, but I guess because I'm good at my job and people like working with me, I've had clients for two and three years now. Yeah. So they're at lower rates because I was not smart about building in automatic rate increases into my agreements every so often. And so there's just not really room in their rate to outsource to somebody else because I don't just go with the cheapest there is. It needs to be somebody who's up to my standard because I'm ultimately putting my name on it. So I need to be comfortable with their work representing me. And so I don't have a whole lot of clients where I can do that comfortably and still make enough money to be worth it to maintain the relationship with that client. I feel like for me, and one of my biggest weaknesses as a business owner is that I'm a people pleaser. It's just my personality. Mm -hmm. And when I have a client that was with me from the beginning that I've got a great relationship with, it's a very hard thing for me to do to say, hey, listen, we've been at this rate for a while. You've been grandfathered in, but I do need to raise your rates. And, you know, but I'm like, oh, they've been with me in the beginning before I was mm-hmm. really established. It's really hard to do. So that is something that I really struggle with. So I hear what you're saying there. Yeah, I've only done it with a couple of people. And it's only because I could justify it because they had changed up their show enough. Okay. And added on a couple extra things. And I was like, well, now that we're doing this and we weren't before, let's renegotiate this rate. And by the way, it's at my current rate. <laughs> so like, you know, it kind of, I can sneak it in here and there, but for some of my, and there's not a lot anymore. I mean, most of them are pretty new and at my current rates, but there are a couple who have been with me for two, three years. Got it. You mentioned COVID a minute ago. There's so much conflicting data out there about all oh, people scattered, but they came back and now they're listening later in the day or they're listening more on desktop because they're working from home. What's your sense overall of the effect on podcasting that COVID has had? So I can just go from my experience with my own client shows because I'm in there every week um, inside their lips and dashboards. So I see kind of the general numbers. For the most part, everyone did take a dip for about the first month or so of COVID month, month and a half. Mm -hmm. But since then, all of their shows, including my own, are pretty much completely back to normal. As far as like when people listen and, and all of those things, I don't really care about that stuff. (laughs) Um, As long as the numbers are there. Right, exactly. I mean, they're still listening. They're still engaging. That's what I'm seeing. Like I'm having people who are, again, sending me comments on episodes that are put out, or I see them interacting with my clients' social media posts more about their episodes. So even beyond just download numbers, there are people actually listening again, but it did definitely take a dip. Most of my clients saw, I would say about a 35 to 50% dip during the first month of COVID in their download numbers. Got it. You've posted the other day about the PodFest Global Summit. What can you tell me about this? Uh, it's, it's basically a virtual version. Yep. So it's a virtual version of PodFest, but 
Chris, who's the founder of PodFest, is wanting to make it more than just a normal like conference, virtual conference. Mm-hmm. So we had a call about it last week. And I think there were like a couple hundred of us on this call. I don't really know the real numbers, but it was just like a really down and dirty. Chris's whole thing is like start ugly. And that is what he's doing. So <laughs> we don't have a lot of the specifics yet. We know the dates, which off the top of my head, I think are like the 10th through the 17th or something like that. I know it starts on August 10th, but it's going to be more than just like hopping on a Zoom call. Like I'm sure you're familiar with the app Whova, which is the app that's used at a lot of these conferences where people can talk to each other and like set up polls and arrange meetups and those kinds of things. So Whova is going to be on board for this one as well. So we can still have that sense of connection with this virtual conference, but it's going to go... I'm going to say 24 hours a day. Oh, wow. But it's going to be like during the day, U.S. time are when all of these different events and panels and, you know, presentations and stuff are going to happen on Zoom. And then they're going to replay it throughout the night for, you know, like people over in Australia and Asia and those kinds of things. Wow. Now, Chris is wanting to set a world record with this. He wants it to be. And there's some ridiculously specific term for what the record is. So he would have to go into that. But he basically wants it to be the world's largest online podcast conference. Okay. That's what the goal is. Like, I mean, the goal is obviously to help people. But the goal with this particular conference is let's set a world record for the largest podcasting conference. And he's really, really focusing on making it so that it's more than just like, hey, come check out this Zoom call. There's going to be breakout sessions where you can interact with other people who are on these calls, form little virtual meetup groups. So all the details are still being worked out, but I think it's going to be really, really fun. Very excited to hear more about that. Before I let you go, I got to come back to the travel and your travel enthusiast. My wife and I are as well. Give me a couple of the favorite places you've been. Mm, uh, Paris and all of Scotland. (laughs) Really? Yes. Yeah. So Paris, I went to on my honeymoon. It was the first time there and it was a crazy experience We, as soon as we got off the plane, my very first two hours in Paris were being jam-packed like sardines into a baggage claim area because there was a bomb threat at the airport. Oh my God. And then my luggage got lost and we missed our shuttle to the hotel, but I still ended up loving it. (laughs) Um, Went back again this past fall, was still madly in love with it. And then I am obsessed with the TV show Outlander. Okay. So that made me fall in love with Scotland and I knew I had to go. So I went there last fall as well. Spent a few weeks there in Edinburgh and just traveling around the Highlands and it has stolen my heart. It outranks Paris now, which I never thought would happen. Uh, So yeah, those are the two places that I would move to today if I could. Are you a whiskey drinker? No. Oh, my best friend went to Scotland on his honeymoon and he's a big whiskey and Mm -hmm. scotch guy and he just loved, loved, loved. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I am sure. No, we did go to... Uh, like a distillery and and got yep. to, you know, get the whole shebang of how it's all made. And we got to try some and I basically burned the lining of my throat off because holy crap, that stuff is so strong. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, I'm not really an alcohol drinker, period. So, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get to enjoy that part of Scotland. Fair enough. My number one place is still Hawaii. Yeah. My wife and I went to, have you been to Hawaii? I have not, but it is like after New Zealand, Hawaii is probably next. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you do it right, you could just hit Hawaii on the way back and shorten the flights, right? <laughs> right. We can all work remotely. Oh, yeah. It's really been cool getting to know you just over the last, you know, 25 minutes or so, Brittany. And just, you know, like I said, we've started liking each other's Facebook posts because mm-hmm. it turns out we've got a lot in common from dogs <laughs> to travel and podcasting and everything else. And I'm sure you'll echo this when I say it, but 
the podcasting community is just so amazing and so welcoming. Mm -hmm. And I've only been in this for a little over two years full time. And I mean, the editors group is is a special, unique, you know, smaller group within it. But just I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but just how welcoming this community has been to everybody in terms of podcasting. It's really been something to see. Yeah, I completely agree. And I will take that a step further, even because as a woman who has worked in heavily male dominated spaces my entire life, like I worked for a sheriff's association, I have a degree in law enforcement. I worked for a moving company, a flooring company, a construction company. Like I have been surrounded by grown men in every field I have been in including podcast editing. And this is by far the most comfortable, safe space for me as a woman to be in. There are obviously outliers, but for the most part, I have never been so like respected and treated as an equal as I have been in the podcast editing space. I am really glad to hear that. And I'm glad to hear you say that because that reminds me of a question that I almost missed on here that I wanted <laughs> to get to. And I had Carrie Caulfield Eric on a few weeks ago, but Please give me a quick plug for the Just Busters Facebook group and explain that for the audience. Yeah. So there are a few outliers when it comes to this men and we do still get mansplained to sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it kind of came about that we have this female, female identifying non-binary group where, you know, women can come in, especially if they're brand new to editing, even if they're just doing their own show to ask all of those really newbie podcasting questions without fear of being like mansplained to or just being ridiculed or treated like they're, you know, stupid. It's just a really safe space. Not to say that Podcast Editors Club isn't. It's just that women coming into the space don't necessarily know that yet. And so this is a space where they can immediately feel at ease and like they can just get all the help they need. And it's a sort of a joint venture between, is it four of you that put it together? So I actually just recently came in. I believe it was Carrie Caulfield-Eric and Jennifer Longworth and Emily Peck-Prokop who started it at a podcasting conference. Okay. I didn't attend that conference, but I have been so actively involved. They've made me an admin of it. So they started it and I've come in, I think like within the past six months, maybe more. Okay. And have helped with it. Excellent. Finally, anybody wants to find you, give me your website, your social, anything you want to share. Absolutely. So it is podcasting for coaches literally everywhere. <laughs> uh, so podcastingforcoaches.com, podcasting for coaches on Facebook and Instagram. I am most active on Instagram. Um, and then, of course, I have a podcast by the same name. Hashtag branding. <laughs> Brittany Felix, Podcasting for Coaches. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed getting to chat with you today. And hopefully this COVID thing will end at some point. We'll get to hang out in person. Yeah, hopefully. And maybe I'll see you in Michigan. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the JAG Show podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe in Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published every Tuesday and Friday morning. For help with your podcast, Find JAG on social media at JAG in Detroit or on the web at jagindetroit.com.